Hello, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Upper Bowl GM podcast. My name is Nick Sararis, and yes, I know I was supposed to have episodes each of the last two days, but scheduling issues with guests. So do I have guests for you guys this week, though. Today, I'm going to be talking to one of my really good friends, Darren, about the Yankees. We're going to talk a little bit deeper, specifically just the Yankees. Darren is one of those old school Yankee heads who still feels like the Yankees should be World Series contenders year in and year out. And I wanted to give that voice a little bit of credence and just kind of peel that back a little bit and understand what that's like. The framing of this is going to be similar to the discussion I had with LeVance a number of weeks ago about Manchester United, about the problems that stem from a team trying to live up to its past instead of living in the present. I think it's going to make for an interesting conversation, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But before I get to the conversation with Darren, I do have to remind everyone to please help grow the show. We're doing good numbers as of late. We're gaining more traction slowly but surely. The wider we cast the net for guests, the more guests we are having, the more people are listening. Isn't it funny how that works? Whether you're on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Audio Boom, Stitcher Radio, any podcasting platform, hit the little follow button. If you are on Apple Podcasts, I would love if you could take that extra second to go to the homepage of our show, find where to leave the five-star review, leave a five-star review. If you have even more time than that, leave a written review, please. It really does mean a lot. I would appreciate it. All that said, I will see you guys with Darren in one second. Deami on his way to third, and they're going to wave him around. The draw misses a cutoff man, shot into the plate, out of the plate! Derek Jeter with one of the most unbelievable plays you will ever see by a shortstop. And with that, I welcome on one of my very good friends, one of the few baseball heads my own age, someone who is going to talk my ear off about world championships won during the Truman administration. How are you doing, Darren? I'm doing great today. I love, uh, I love that baseball is almost back, you know. That's when you know it's springtime's coming, the weather's getting warm. It's a great time of the year. It's really nice. I know the Yankees had a spring training game today. I know the Mets are kind of stealing all the baseball oxygen right now with the Lindor negotiations. I've talked a lot about a bunch of different teams. I've had Chris on a few times. But today I specifically wanted to have you on because this year, more so than any year of the last few years, it seems like this has to be the year for the Yankees to break through. If they are going to win a World Series with a group of guys, it has to be this group this year. No, yeah. I mean, I would say over the last couple of years, it's it's kind of been that mindset. I mean, I think that's a part of being a New York Yankee. You know, these guys sign these contracts knowing year in and year out. The expectation from the front office and the fans is to, you know, win a championship. Um, I would probably say the last time we didn't have that expectation, thinking back, was probably like Derek Jeter's last year. That team was yeah. abysmal. Uh, didn't even make the playoffs last year, which is so sad to see for, you know, Jeter's last year. But, you know, that's that's definitely the expectation. And, you know, looking at the team this year, it, it could definitely be done. And uh, the thing that Chris pointed out, I think it was two weeks ago, he said was the American League hasn't been this wide open in a few years now where the Astros aren't as good as they were the last few years. The Red Sox are rebuilding. The Rays lost their best pitcher. The Blue Jays are still probably at least a year away. It seems like their stiffest competition as of the moment is the White Sox, and they already had their first big loss where Jimenez uh, tore his pack uh, trying to steal a home run in spring training, where it seems like 
the path is there. You're not going to run into the buzzsaw Astros or an Indians team with a really good rotation. It seems like the the path is there. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. You know, some of the teams you mentioned, like the Athletics, every single time we see them in the playoffs, usually a sweep. Whenever we see the Twins in the playoffs, usually a sweep. The Indians put up a, a fight every once in a while, but we usually beat them. Um, you know, the Rays losing Morton and Snell don't really scare me as much. Um, and look at the White Sox. The White Sox are, you know, very talented team, but they're also a very young team. This team doesn't really know what it's like being in the playoffs too much. Um, you know, the Yankees, all of our, you know, most of our guys have been in the playoffs the last four years. They have the experience. And, you know, not only in baseball, but in any sport, having experience in the playoffs goes a long way. Um, and I think we'll see that this year with this Yankees team. So now that we've kind of set the baseline, that that's, that's usually the standard for the Yankees is to win. Do you think that at some points that becomes a bit much to live up to? I know I talked about this with Levant a few weeks ago when we were talking about Manchester United, where we're talking about mm-hmm. a team with this great storied history that's done all these great things with all these iconic players. Do you think trying to live up to that history is something that's kind of impractical the way baseball is now, where it's so there's so much more parity and there's so many more competitive teams than there were, even going back as far as last decade or the decade before that, the 90s, where there were only two or three really good teams every year, whereas now you could make an argument there's about six or seven teams capable of winning the World Series? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that statement. Um, you know, I talked about it a little, a little bit ago, like being a Yankee, you know, we, we've seen this since the 1920s. You know, you go back that far. The, um, you're, you're used to winning as a fan. You're used to winning as a player. You know, the, the reason why we are hated by everyone in the major leagues is because of all the, you know, winning we have done. But, you know, let's remember we haven't done a lot of winning in recent times. Um, so I think it, it has changed the storyline, you know, unfortunately – we were, you know, one, two years old when these, you know, the 96, the 98 teams, the 2000 teams. So we didn't really see, you know, the atmosphere in New York and around, you know, the United States. But I think in terms of, you know, the team today, Cashman, you know, he has his flaws, but has done a really good job building from the ground up, you know, buying cheap, um, you know, and making those players turn into something. Um, our, you know, our farm system has really turned into something great over the years. Um, we're either, either able to develop players or, you know, develop them and then trade them and get some, you know, pieces that will fit into a championship style team. Um, but, you know, to answer the overall question, I definitely think it's hard. You know, I go to probably five, six minimum Yankee games throughout the year. Was, you know, we're tight. If I was, I would probably, you know, be on the edge of my seat every night. Because one night, you know, look at John Carl Stanton, right? John Carl mm-hmm. Stanton's a perfect example. He gets dogged year after year. This past postseason, he raked, and everyone loved him. And that's just, you know, unfortunately, that's just how it is. One day, you can be on the back pages of the New York Post saying, you know, we love you. You're the next cheater. The next day, be like, you know, you're worse than, you know, like the Hudson River, you're terrible. <laughs> like, it, it's, it goes back and forth. Um, but I think, you know, 
when you sign for the Yankees, you understand th- that role and expectation. You know, I think it's, sometimes it's harder for the small town type of guys to come to a big city like New York. But I would think for this team specifically, everyone has lived up to somewhat of their hype and has managed the outside crowds. Do you feel like the Yankees are still the Yankees? When I say that, I mean, like, do you think they still treat the rest of the league like their shopping spree that, okay, we're looking at guys around the league where we might do this, we could do that? Or do you feel like the philosophy has changed in the last five to 10 years where they still act like a big market team, but they don't act like the biggest fish in the pond anymore? Where the, whereas the Dodgers now are clearly the team that's going to go all out in free agency or for trades. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a part of, like, why the Yankees were hated for so long is because we had the riches to get whoever we wanted, whenever we wanted. Especially over the last year, you know, with the COVID situation, people, you know, teams' financials have decreased dramatically, not so much the Yankees, but, you know, we've, we've taken a hit as well. But in terms of the last 10 years, you know, there are teams – that, you know, look at the Royals. The Royals won in, you know, 2014. No one cared about the Royals every before. They weren't a relevant team. Um, you know, the Red Sox over the last 20 years, they've been more successful than the Yankees, to be honest. You know, I, I have no shame in saying that. You know, four World Series in about 20, 50, 20 years, something like that. Um, you know, that's great. You know, the Dodgers, too. The Dodgers... If you know the baseball history, they were not a team that has always been this juggernaut. You know, they came up late, and now you're seeing with the New York Mets. You know, they have you know great owner now, Steve Cohen, who is willing to buy players, is an actual fan, which goes a long way. Because the thing with the MLB, you have people that just know dollars, and you know, there's people that know the game. Um, and I think we're starting to see that a lot in not only in baseball, but in sports in general, where actual fans of teams are starting to invest their money into, um, you know, these clubs, these teams. And that's actually bringing out the best of these sides. Um, so I think, you know, the Yankees, the Yankees will always just be the Yankees because of the history. But in terms of like it being easy for them, not by any means, you know, this season's not a lot not a lock to win a pennant they should win the pennant but it's not a lock and you know the nl that's a bloodbath over there i'm I'm happy the Yankees are not in the nl because all those teams could win it easily yeah no definitely definitely the last part of this conversation i wanted to have with you is how do you ensure that doesn't get lost to the times because now i mean cashman is the longest tenured person in the organization it's him and then it's brett gardner how do you make sure that those ties to those great teams from the nineties and even going further back. Cause I know a lot of those great Yankees, they weren't able to go to spring training this year because of the COVID stuff. And that's one of the things the Yankees have a ton of is that institutional baseball knowledge where you have three generations of guys at every spring training, even if they're helping guys who are never going to see the big leagues, that institutional baseball knowledge, that mindset of we're the Yankees, we expect to be better than everyone else. We named our spring trading facility after our owner because he would treat winning every baseball game like winning every single game in the Big Ten East because he was an Ohio State fan. How do you ensure that doesn't get lost to the, to time, basically? You know, I think it really starts when you walk inside that stadium. That stadium is unlike other stadiums. That stadium was made to look at the past, realize the history of 
you know, the Yankees. And I think when all those players step inside the clubhouse, you're going through each hallway and you're seeing, you know, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Reggie Jackson, Jeter, Posada, Mattingly, whatever. And also the great thing about that is, you know, it is unfortunate that you have, you usually see like a Reggie Jackson make its way to spring training or A-Rod. But, you know, I'm sure these guys have their phone numbers. They're able to reach out. Um, you know, I think that's that's really how the Yankees br- and, and interpret that of, like, that understanding of this is what it means. It's brought down from the top, you know, from the, the, the older generation. Um, and that's that's really the, the winning success with the Yankees. I don't even know if really Cashman has too much to do with it. They obviously implement it, but I think you don't really understand what it is to be a Yankee unless you know someone before you actually you know sits down with you and say you know this is what it's like in New York. This was is is expected of you, um, and you know Cashman has done a great job over the last twenty years. You know he has has his ups and downs, but overall you know four four World Series I would say over his tenure, um, and you know he, you can't ask for much more from him his standpoint. So. I would say, you know, the Yankees are, they'll, they'll always be the Yankees, but it's definitely different times. Yeah, the changing of, I won't say changing of the guard, but baseball was definitely in a different place. Speaking of that, I did want to touch a little bit on the recent history because there are some storylines in there where I had mentioned in the first part about running into the buzzsaw team that eventually either went on to win the World Series or come close to it. Of the last four years, you lost to the Rays, who went to the World Series. You lost to the Astros, who went to the World Series. You lost to the Red Sox, who won the World Series. And then you lost to the Astros, who won the World Series. Of those four, of those four, which one do you, which, of those four years, which Yankees team do you think was the best? I would definitely have to go with the 2017 team by far, you know looking back at that team and what has come of the Astros scandal, um, that team had it all. I mean, I mean yeah. going into that series, I, you know, it wasn't a guaranteed win for the Yankees or the Astros. It was going to be a dogfight either way, but that team didn't have any hold. At the time, we had the best bullpen in the league. You had a healthy Severino, Tanaka. You had CeCe Sabathia barking on the mound. The guy, you know, our lineup was incredible, top down. You know, you had a young Glaber Torres, I think back then that was still, you know, he was like, what, 20, 22, 23 years old, maybe. And he still put in a lot of work. Aaron Judge was obviously there. You know, most most of the team now was still there back then. Um, but that, you know, that series eats me alive day in and day out. I think we could have easily have won that uh you know, that, that, that world series. And, you know, when the Astros, the Astros played the Dodgers, that world series, that wasn't the best. That was probably the beginning of the so-called dynasty. If you want to say of Dodgers, it wasn't one of their strongest teams. Um, that's one. I definitely think we, we, I would definitely love to have back. And also, you know, quick side point this, this past year with the Rays, I think that that's just basically based off of, you know, how neutral the playoffs were this past year. You know, there weren't fans on either side. Uh, you're both traveling to foreign locations. Um, and I think, you know, the Yankees really, they, they lost one um, this past year. They, they should have easily had that raise series wrapped up. Um, but, you know, the 2017 season definitely eats me alive. 
uh, day in and day out. How much do you linger on that? And is it more of a, the Yankees missed their opportunity or did, is it the, I'm, you're going to cling to, well, we know the Astros were definitely cheating. And I think that was the difference in the series. If you say you put those two teams to play again in the same situation without the cheating, do you think the Yankees definitely win? I would say if you look on paper, the Astros probably had a better team. And the reason why I would say that is because of their starting pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Berlin and Gary Cole, who are two top five pitchers at the time, and probably still two top five pitchers as right now when healthy. And, you know, you're, you're, it's hard to compete with that. Um, obviously, the scandal definitely stings a lot. You know, there's there's a fine boundary between, you know, getting an edge, you know, if a pitcher's tipping his pitches, you know, sure, take take those signs. If the catcher is openly giving his signs, you know, by all means, that's a part of baseball. That's been a part of baseball for the last hundred years. I have no problem with that. When you start implementing, uh, you know, technology and, you know, guys are sitting on, you know, curveballs when, you know, you have a guy throwing 100 miles per hour and it, the, the swing looks so fluid. That That's where that I have a big problem. You know, that Yankees team could have easily won that year. Um, and they had all the tools, like I said, the bullpen, the lineup, the starting pitching. But I think really when it comes to that, when I look back at that series, just knowing that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a 50-50 battle. It was, you yeah. know, more like a like a 65-35 battle, if you ask me. Like, they they clearly have an edge. You know, when you when you are told a pitch that's going to come and you know it's probably 85% accurate, you're going to go with those odds. And you can clearly, looking back, if you look back at those games, you can clearly see that they were on every single pitch. And even if it was a pitch in the dirt, these guys were not biting. And, you know, CC Sabathia had a crazy hook and slider combination in, in his day. Tanaka has an amazing sinker. Um, these guys did, did not bite. They weren't swinging and looking foolish. I mean, every game, probably in the major leagues, you're going to see a few guys look foolish and, you know, a few at-bats. And those at-bats, I did not see one person. And, you know, it, it's it's frustrating. It's really frustrating, man, because that, that, that series, I, was, I wish we could play it again, but unfortunately we can't. Yeah, the Astros kind of got out of it, too, because they didn't have to deal with it last year when the stink was still kind of fresh on them. And they were, it was a real storyline going into spring training last year before COVID kind of put the season on hold. And then there was the very abbreviated season last year, the only 60 games. They didn't play in front of fans at any point until the ALCS, what have you. Hell, the Astros almost made the World Series last year, which would have been really bizarre yeah. considering how poorly they played. Um. As far as the Yankees this year, I do want to talk a little bit about the team. So you're going into the year, you're already no void for about three to four weeks ballparking. So you're looking at, you could probably do LeMahieu at first, but that opens up other things. You're probably looking at Jay Bruce at first, which is a little bit less ideal. In terms of the roster itself, and not start talking pitching because that's a separate part of this. you have any concerns just in terms of the talent that's on the roster right now? I don't have a single, you know, concern at all. When you have a guy like Gio Rochelle who's batting 300, is probably going to be your ninth, your ninth batter. You know, you just you 
you look at it and you're like, wow, that's incredible. You know, in terms of our backup players, you know, Brett Gardner, we re-signed him over the offseason. I particularly did not like that. Um, I think it was a little bit, it was time to move on for him. But, you know, Brett Gardner, every single time he's going out there, you know, he's going to get 110% from him in outfield. If it's a ground ball to the shortstop, he's sprinting down the line. Um, you look at other guys, Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade isn't a, you know, incredible player by any means. But you put him in once a week, he'll fill the need. You know, you're not going to get like a 300 batter at all. But he'll do the job. Um you know, Clint Frazier is a guy who I am very excited to see this year. He was, you know, playing a role that was, you know, he had a split time with, with Gardner. And I think that really screwed him up over the last two years. Now we know that is that is his left field. Um, he, you know, he, he can hit, man. That guy hits w- way better than a lot of people I've seen in the major leagues, his hands are so quick. He can get to any ball on the inside part of the plate. Uh, that's what I love about him. And the, the thing about Clint Frazier, I really love about him is he's not your Yankees typical guy. He's yeah. not, he's, he's like a little, he has a little attitude to him. Um, he's, you know, like a, a Southern boy. He talks kind of funny. It's kind of hilarious. Um, but there's a little, there's an edge to him. I think, you know, when you look at the Yankees way, as we've looked in the past, they're all these clean cut guys. They know what to say in every interview. Um, they look a certain way. Clint Frazier, this guy wears Jordans for cleats. Um, he's bumping, you know, hip hop music all the time. He wears, you know, funny shirts every day. The Yankees are always posting. Um, but, you know, this this lineup, it gets me excited when I look at it. The only issue I really have with this lineup is if, not a lot of lefty bats. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when we have the short porch as an advantage, it's it's amazing to have the lefty bat. Uh, I think that's where actually Jay Bruce will actually play a, a big role. Um, you know, it's nothing for him to flick his wrist and that ball goes 317 feet over right field wall, whatever it is now. Um, you know, he's a guy that you're not going to get 275 BA, you're not gonna get a 250. It's probably gonna be like 225, but he's gonna put up, you know, some slugging uh percentages that are pretty high. Um, but I would say in terms of the lineup in the team, I think we're solid in that area. The one thing I've said about the Yankees over the number of years is they've run into the same problem the Mets have had, where they've had multiple guys at the same position and they haven't given a younger guy a chance to break through. The obvious one for the Mets was Dom Smith, and it's the same thing with Clint Frazier. On most teams, Clint Frazier probably would have been a full-time starter by last year. You see enough of the glimpses of that special part of his talent, like you said, his bat speed. He's worked really hard at getting better in the outfield because that was the real glaring flaw in his game when he first came up with he just did not know how to play the ball in the outfield now it seems like like you said he's firmly in that left field role he could probably end up DHing here and there assuming that at some point you're going to have a game here or there where you have to give judge or stanton a game off and you want to reconfigure your lineup a little bit you can put him in at dh let him only worry about that the only other thing i wanted to touch on briefly with you is sanchez at, because last year it, i mean it can't get worse than it was last year in the 60-game season. Uh, I talked about this with Chris. Just 60-game season is really hard to judge. These guys are used to having a couple of weeks to work themselves out of a funk. Last year, a couple of weeks was half a season. So are you concerned at all about Sanchez, or do you think this is just uh, 
this is a, still, uh, I won't say a young guy because he's been in the league for a few years. I'll, I'll say immature guy, learning, kind of having to find his way where he's supposed to be in baseball at this point. Yeah, you know, I Gary Sanchez, as crazy as this may sound, has always been my favorite Yankee. You know, I grew up playing a catcher, so I always relate to catchers more. Um, I love Gary Sanchez. I understand the uh, the critics, and he definitely deserves everything coming to him. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, going back to earlier points, someone that should have sat down with, like, Jorge Posada and been like, you know, hey, how, how, do I do, how do I get this done? How do I, you know, block out the noise? I think he's someone that really, it's a mental thing for him. Um, mm-hmm. Once he's in a slump and, you know, you hear – the, the daily news and your coach writing about you he, he's reading all of that and it's not helping him at all I think it's really mental for him um I, I you know this year I think for him it's break it or make it type of year for him uh, I think he over the off season he wrote that he wrote that article stating that you know the Yankees really weren't very uh didn't have a great communication with him over the playoffs and didn't really tell him that Kyle Hayashioka was going to start and um, he was very upset but at the same time you know he's a professional he has to expect everything coming to him um, I think honestly I think this is a big year for Gary Sanchez I think he actually will have a big year um, he started off the spring training doing very well as of late he struggled a lot lately in the spring training but you know there's only so much you can make of spring training one day you can be pit- uh, facing a starting pitcher the next day you could be facing a double a pitcher um so it's really hard to dive into his statistics over the, the spring training season but you know i think the great thing about the yankee situation at catcher is we do know hayashioka can play um he's mm. confident behind the plate you know he over the postseason he actually had some big knocks for the yankees um, but I think Gary Sanchez realizes what's on the line. And, you know, he was supposed to be the next big four. You know, you look back, it was him. It was Aaron Judge. It was Severino. Um, that, that, those are the guys that were supposed to be the next generation. Um, and he, you know, he, was, he's, he lived up to that early on in his career. But as of late, he hasn't. So I think he, this, this is a really big year for him. The one last guy I wanted to talk about in the lineup briefly, because I know you and I both appreciate the way he plays a lot is LeMayhew, because I don't want to say I'm an old man when it comes to baseball, but I have an appreciation for a guy who just understands how to hit professionally, where he doesn't need to pull everything. He doesn't need to get everything in the air. He uses the whole field. He's their clutchest hitter. I, two years ago, he hit something like 375 with runners in scoring position. Just such a ridiculously... Uh, underrated player i know he got mvp votes finally over the last two years but someone who had a really nice first half of his career with colorado the yankees saw something and it's something the yankees are really good at is their major league talent evaluation where they see guys and they think we can tweak this one little thing about his game and make him significantly better lemay he was awesome but just flat out he's an awesome baseball player yeah man i mean it's funny i was thinking about this like in in soccer with uh, Manchester City, Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola always says, if I could, I would play with 11 midfielders. And, you know, if I could, I would put nine DJ LeMahieu's in the lineup. That guy is so special. And I think he had a little chip on his shoulder because everyone, when he was in the Rockies, said, 
oh, he's hitting well because of, you know, the high elevation, um, the ball's flying out of the ballpark. And at the time, the, the National League was not as strong as it is today. Um, he, came, he came over here, filled a huge, huge, huge uh, role with the team. I don't think any Yankee fan can easily seriously say that they expected this from DJ LeMahieu because I certainly did not. That guy, you know, and you look at this, the contract he just signed over the offseason, three years, he's getting $15 million a year. And, you know, over the offseason when the contract was lingering, I, I was talking to, you know, you and a few other friends, and I was like, no, this guy just loves playing baseball. I don't even think he cares about the money. And the contract speaks for itself. That guy should easily be asking for, you know, he could probably get $25 million, maybe, you know, between 20 and $25 million. And he settled on a $15 million year to, um, you know, to do more three years to live out, you know, the rest of his career a little bit longer. And, you know, that's what you want from a guy, you know, this, you never hear bad things about him in the news ever. I've, I've never even came across any article. Um, and you know exactly what you're going to get uh, day in and day out. There's a, there's a few players in the major leagues that, you know, one day they can go for four, the next day they can go over four. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, he's going to hit every single game. It might be one, it might be three hits. He's going to get it done. And to have just someone you can count on is just so crucial. Um, and I think that goes back to just how the game of baseball is played today, as you just mentioned. We are now in a home run strikeout type of era. And DJ LeMahieu's don't come along often anymore. Um, to have a guy that just gets on base and, you know, just hits singles. We're not... He, and it's any any part of the ballpark, mostly, you know, right field, but it can be a fastball, it can be a slider, changeup, whatever. He knows exactly what to do, and he's carried that his whole career. And he's someone I, you know, I wish we could have had him his whole career, you know. That, that's one of those guys you're like, damn, I, if he would have played with, like, you know, Jeter towards the end of his career, A-Rod to the end of his career, Teixeira, you know, that would have been fun, but... I love me some DJ LeMahieu, man. Awesome player. Now, the concern, obviously, for this Yankees team is pitching. There was the problem last year. It was the problem the year before. They opted to go with depth over quality, which a few teams did this offseason where they said, we're going to bring in a few guys. This way, at least one of them will stick, and we can give Cole just enough where as long as we get to the playoffs, we feel like we can win three out of five with Cole and then They've got Kluber, Montgomery, Talion, and then we don't know what we're going to get from Herman if he's going to be on the team. I'm assuming he is. You don't know what you're going to get from Delvi Garcia, who pitched sparingly last year and wasn't bad. And you don't know what Severino is going to do. So in terms of the rotation, what is the worst case scenario? That Because I, I think that's the more realistic question, because I assume that that at least one of those guys and Cole and then someone in the back end will be fine. You get three decent pitchers. The Yankees will score enough runs, but is there a world in which this doesn't work? The Garrett Cole and a bunch of other guys. Yeah, I see, I see a lot of uh, issues. And I think the worst scenario is Corey Kluber gets injured again. And, you know, Jameson Tylon gets injured again. Um, these two guys are both flyers. You know, it, I think, Signing them for the amount we did, I was perfectly okay with it. But, you know, these guys are not guaranteed guys. Corey Kluber pretty much hasn't pitched in 
a year and a half. Uh, Tylon has came off of two Tommy John surgeries. Um, you know, both guys, you know, have looked very impressive through spring training, but you never know where they get. And, you know, you look at Montgomery. Montgomery sometimes last year was in the starting rotation. Um, sometimes he was just a spot starter. Um, you look at Domingo Herman, he had his off the field issues. He hasn't pitched in a year. Uh, obviously Severino has, uh, is recovering from Tommy John and, you know, Debbie Garcia was kind of like Montgomery came in late and became a, a spot starter. So if you're looking at the entire rotation, the only person that was consistent was Gary Cole. You know, that's a massive issue. Um, I, you know, that is definitely the worst case scenario. Eric Cole, top five, three pitcher in all of baseball. We know where, where we're going to get out of him. You really get, um, you know, last year, I think he went nine and four in a shortened season. You know, this year, I'm expecting probably 17 wins this year. Um, the thing about Garrett Cole is he's he's getting seven innings out of him. You know, it's either, it's either going to be a win or a loss. You're not going to get a no decision out of Garrett Cole. Um, so I would expect a range between like 17 to 19 wins. I think Garrett Cole is going to benefit from the fans being back. I know he was very excited about that last year. Unfortunately, you know, we weren't able to do that because of the COVID situations. Um, but I think the rest of the the rest of the rotation is really a bunch of question marks. Um, and you know, you you you're kind of just praying, honestly. Yeah. You're praying for the best case scenario. And you know, I I can see a best case scenario where all of these guys are flashing, you know, past you know, maybe Cy Young Kluber. Is it is it you know likely to happen? Probably not, but you know, he I think a guy like Corey Kluber, as you get older, even if you have injuries or if you don't have injuries, you have to realize, all right, I'm not throwing 95 anymore. I have to change it up. We saw this a lot from CC Sabathia later on in his career where he said to himself, all right, I really need to focus on my slider change of combination. Um, I can't overpower dudes anymore, especially now where everyone's throwing 100 miles per hour. Like 93, 94 do not, does not scare any of these hitters anymore. Um, so I think, you know, we're going to see a little a different Corey Kluber. Um, Tylon has stuff. I've seen a few spring training games. I'm excited to see what he has. Uh, Montgomery. Montgomery is someone I was always high on. Um, he hasn't really turned out to be what we expected him to be. But I love, you know, great body, tall, lanky lefty, um, a dream pitcher's body, honestly. Um, he just needs to figure it out. And his last start in the postseason was actually excellent. And, you know, I know going into that game, actually every Yankee fan was very nervous because we did not know what we would get out of him. But if he pitches like he did that game, we'll be fine for sure. This Yankee team, the way it's constructed, is kind of reminiscent of the Yankee teams of the early 2000s where they really tried to bludgeon you to death and score seven or eight runs a game and then just get the ball to the seventh and eighth inning guys where there weren't really a ton of quality guys in that rotation. You're talking about guys like Kevin Brown, Javi Vasquez, Garrett Wright, John Lieber. The None of them are excellent, but they're all passable starters, and if we're going to score five, six runs a game, it's fine. It's... I feel like it's the last year you can try it with this specific roster configuration. I feel like if it doesn't work this year, you've got to 
you got to go out and get a second pitcher. You've got to go out and get another guy for the bullpen, something in that neighborhood where you can't just keep throwing the same exact thing at the wall and expecting it to change. Yeah, that's really my biggest flaw in Cashman. You know, I love Cashman. He's done a lot for the Yankees. But the biggest flaw in him is he's he's not willing to bite during, um, you know, the trade deadline. We've had the last three, four years where we have definitely needed a pitcher and he's not, you know, willing to budge. Um, it's it's pretty upsetting because, you know, as Yankees fans, you know what's going to happen. It's predictable what's going to happen. We're going to make the postseason, um, you know, where they get in because of our haters, like you just mentioned, where they score the six, seven, eight runs we need to. But when it gets to the postseason, as we know, that's when you need your pitching. You need your starting pitching. You need your relief pitching. Um, and I think with this team is in past teams, we could depend on our bullpen. Our bullpen is not the same bullpen as it was two, three years ago. Uh, Adovino left. He went to the Red Sox. Um, Britain's hurt now to start the season, I believe. You know, you can always count on Chad Green. Um, you know, Chapman, you know, you hope he's he, you hope he's going to do well. He usually does do well. Um, but a lot of what-ifs and hopefully uh, type of situ- situations um, I think that that might bite us in the end, really. Um, it's, it, like I said, playoff baseball comes down to pitching. It doesn't matter how great your, your lineup is, pitching will always dominate. Um, and we don't have that right now, which is very concerning. So I think that answers probably your, the question of your biggest concern for the team this year is the rotation, probably. And do you think, is it fair to say durability is another concern because they've had two bad injury years in a row do you think this is a legitimate thing or do you just you know flute injuries happen and they just so happen to all happen at once for the Yankees the last two years yeah I mean it, it's it's so strange man I mean injur- injuries do happen injuries to the Yankees happen way more than the normal team I do I really do not understand what it is I don't know if it's the off-season training I don't know if it's the practices during spring training, practices during the year, but these guys get injured way too often. You know, we're at an age and, you know, 2021, the technology out there is incredible. Um, You know, these guys have home gyms. They have, you know, chiropractors, massages every day if they want to. They have the luxury of life. You know, a, a player in the 1960s who are is drooling over the lives these guys have right now. It's pretty incredible how much these guys get injured. Um, and I think that's going into the Yankee season. I always look at it as, all right, you have to expect Judge to be out at least a month. John Carl to be out a month. Gary Sanchez to be out two to three weeks. Um, you know, Hicks always randomly gets hurt. Um, you expect literally everyone on this team to get injured. You just have to pray that it doesn't happen all at once. And that's what happened last year. Um, there were injuries, but thankfully they did not happen all at once. And we were able to, you know, fight through it. Um, but the durability on this team is really abysmal. Um, and I think that goes into why you really need a strong bench because, you know, guys aren't playing. We, you know, you're not seeing guys playing every game of the year. Um, those times have changed. We we have we have off days. You know, thanks yeah. thanks to like LeBron James, people like him. You know, we now have resting days. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm totally fine with that. You know, 
162 games is a lot of games. People don't realize it's 162 games on top of traveling. Um, you know, that's very tiresome. And, you know, everyone deserves an off day. But as a Yankee fan going into every season, expect for the players to get injured. And, you know, hopefully it just doesn't happen at once. All right. So the last two parts of this are the expectations and your confidence level. So let's start here. Your expectation is to win the American League East. Yes? Absolutely, yes. Your yeah. expectation is to make the American League Championship Series and be competitive there when you get there. Yeah, I see no reason why we do not win uh, every series in the playoffs. So realistically, then, if you get to the World Series and you're playing either the Braves, the Dodgers, I'll say the Padres and the Mets, but you're probably looking at the Dodgers or the Braves. Do you feel like the Yankees are talented enough to beat either of those teams? I think I'll go to the Braves first. I think we are more talented than the Braves. However, the Braves have a better pitching staff. And like I said, that is what wins in the postseason. I think the Yankees have enough, you know, firepower to win that series. I would expect like a 4-2 series, you know, for the Yankees. Now, going to the Dodgers, the Dodgers are stacked. This is... You know, I was looking at their lineup and the, the roster the other day. You can make the argument this is one of the strongest teams ever in yeah. baseball. I do not see a single flaw. Uh, both them starting pitching. When you have a guy like Dustin May, who's going to yeah. be your fourth starter, come on. Like, that that's not even fair, man. That guy's two-seamer. It, it could hit a fan and people are swinging at it. Like, it's absolutely insane. You know, the Dodgers would be, you know, I my pick, I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. Um, I would love an L.A., New York World Series. I think the game of baseball meets an L.A., New York World Series. Um, it would be great for the sport. It would be great for, you know, even America, you could say. It, you know, having, having big market teams always makes things better. Um, you know, last year's World Series, no one really cares about Tampa Bay. We know, you know, the, the Tropicana field is an absolute joke to be in. Um, and thank God they didn't have to play there last year. It was, you know, at a neutral site. Um, but, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't really have that too many fans. Um, I think when the, the Red Sox and the Dodgers were in the World Series, we saw a lot more attendance, a lot more viewership in the games, um, just bigger market teams. But, you know, the Dodgers definitely are, are a better team than the Yankees. And, if we came to the Yankees-Dodgers World Series, I'd be very nervous for sure. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I think the Dodgers are definitely better. I think the Braves, like you said, their rotation is better, but the Yankee lineup is better. If you got to the third alternate, if you got to the Padres, I think the Yankees' batting order is better, but I think the Padres have better pitching. It, that mm. would be a very entertaining World Series, but, you know, there'd be the lingering 1998 ghosts where the Yankees kind of ran them off the field. Because you know that, that the world baseball is very different in the na late '90s, where the National League was just kind of the punching bag. They fought yeah. like hell to get to the World Series, and then you got the shit kicked out of you by the Yankees in six games or less. There wasn't really anything you could do about that. No National League team in 1998 was beating that Yankee team. The last part of this conversation is confidence check. All right, number one. How confident are you in the starting lineup, meaning just your one through nine, wherever you want to throw them out defensively in terms of talent? Do you feel like the team is talented enough to compete for a World Series? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talented wise, this is a top five, you know, one through nine. You could easily make the argument for a top three, one through nine for sure. Do you think the front office is good at identifying talent or do you think they have blind spots where they fall into the trap of getting the same type of player and they don't learn from their mistakes? I think over the last couple of years, uh, surprisingly, they, they have done very well. You look at two guys, Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu. Luke Voigt was someone that sat around in the Cardinals organization, wasn't really doing much, comes here and turns his career around and is really a stud over there at first base. And, you know, DJ LeMahieu, he was always a great player. But, you know, being on a bigger stage now in New York, you realize how good of a player he is. Um, so he was really under the radar. I think the front office does a very good job. The only thing I would like to see from the front office is getting some of the younger guys more involved. Uh, you know, the Debbie Garcias, the Clark Schmitz, you know, give them some time, you know, our, especially on the bullpen. Like I said, our bullpen is not great anymore. You know, give them an inning. It won't hurt at all. Do you think the organization does a good job of developing its young players, or do you feel like it's a little bit too much sink or swim where they just kind of throw guys to the wolves and they either stink or they thrive, and there's not really a middle ground where guys are giving a chance to make mistakes? Because that's an important part of development is you've got to give young players a chance to make mistakes. But when you're a team like the Yankees that's trying to win, you know, 105 games every year you don't have that room forever you can't afford to have a guy who's a liability in left field on an august 28th game against the red sox when you're a game and a half back yeah no i i completely agree and honestly for this question you look at a guy like Tom frazier a guy that could easily play in every lineup in the major leagues probably probably besides like three or four teams and, you know, last year, we, we started him off in the alternate site. He wasn't a guy that was an everyday player. Um, I think when you look in the past, you look at, you know, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, these guys came up through the farm system. Um, you know, you look at Gary Sanchez and Luis Severino, these guys were in our organization since they were 16 years old. Um, so, the, you know, seeing guys come from such a young age, live up to the signing bonuses, because uh, obviously we know how uh, the signing bonuses are today. They're, they're so expensive, especially for the international players. Um, you know, you see a guy like Clint Frazier, um, even Aaron Hicks, you know, going back to the other question before, like Aaron Hicks on the Twins wasn't anything special. Uh, he came over here, did very well. Uh, I think the organization does a really good job. And I think that also goes back in like spring training, being able to talk to uh, the older players that have came, you know, before them and just picking their brain really goes a long way. How confident are you in Aaron Boone when it comes to in-game decision-making? <laughs> How much time do you have, Dixie? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, I, God, I really hate Aaron Boone. Um, it's, it's, it's very bad how much I can hate someone that I don't even know. But Aaron Boone, I think, was given a gift, right? You know, he gave, he came to a team that was already had 97 wins. You know, Joe Girardi put that team together. He did not put that team together. Um, and he just, it, you know, you or I can manage this team, really. You know, <laughs> anyone can manage this team. You know, I can have a, any person say, you know, put any nine of these guys in any order and let them play. You can have Gary Sanchez batting first and Judge batting ninth, and they'll still great. You know, like Aaron Boone really does not have a good job. Um, 
And, you know, I think managing the game, we go back to the uh, opener game in the playoffs last year against the Rays. You know, the reports were that Jay Happ did not feel confident coming in out of the bullpen. Um, the front office and Aaron Boone completely disregarded that. And we saw how that unfolded. The Yankees got rocked that game. And that was actually the game that um, I believe Debbie Garcia started that game. Or, yeah, yeah Debbie Garcia started that game, was excellent uh, the first inning, um, and then gets yanked out, you know. Uh, I think now with the organization, Aaron Boone, the way the game is changing, we have a lot of analytics around the game, um, which, you know, that's a completely different conversation for another day. But um, I think Aaron Boone, man, like, he needs to realize he's in a prime scenario, um, you know, better than Girardi ever was, better than even, you know, Joe, Joe Torre ever was. You know, the, that 90, you know, 95, 96 team was a young team that they ultimately put together. Um, but, you know, Aaron Boone was given the keys to, you know, Porsche pretty much. He, he just needs to drive it. Um, I think, you know, he he really needs help from, like, his bench coaches as well to, you know, get his confidence up. And, you know, I, I hope I hope he, this year is a little bit different than the years past. What do, you, what do you say is his biggest flaw? Does he lean on his gut too much? Does he make the same mistake repeatedly? What would you say about his in-game management frustrates you? What leaves you curious about his decision-making? I think it's really just the end game adjustments. I think when we look in the major league, the biggest thing is when to take pitchers out is the biggest issue. Um, I think there's times where he leaves pitchers in too, you know, too long. And there's times where he takes pitchers out too early. Um, you know, these guys are professional athletes. These aren't kids. These aren't, you know, college players. If they say they can go another inning, you have to trust them. They're getting paid $20 million a year. You know, it's going to be their face on the back, you know, the back page of the the journal news and daily news. It's not going to be Aaron Boone's face. So, you know, trust trust your instinct. Trust, trust your players. Like I said, this is a top five team, you know, all around. They 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 should be in the World Series. It's not, there's nothing that's stopping them besides injuries, right? And Aaron Boone, all you gotta do is just coach on the way, you know. Every day he he should be, you know, thanking the Lord that he is the manager of the Yankees and not like the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Like, you know, I wish the Pittsburgh Pirates manager wished that he had the Yankees job, probably. But you know, Aaron Boone, he he'll, he'll figure it out. I you know, I really hope so, but it's really just the end game adjustments. Just trust in your guy. Don't don't always go on the analytics. The analytics are just a computer telling you statistics. You know, trust your gut. Exactly. They are part of the decision-making process. They shouldn't be your only decision-making process. If you're doing that, you're not using them correctly. And even analytics people will tell you that. I know I see it a little lot from game management Twitter uh, during football season where there's a lot of conjecture about a team going for it on a fourth and whatever, and the team doesn't get it, and they're, you're relitigating it. Yeah, the win probability stuff is useful. Yeah, the, it helps you make informed decisions. That should be your goal when you're using your your stat sheet because we all see Aaron Boone there on the top stealth of the dugout with his little binder. He's going to the first page, the second page. During the course of the game, he's going over to his pitchers in between innings to show them stuff. That's a resource. You can't only rely on that. And it does kind of seem like at least 
that is part of why the Yankees fired Joe Girardi was they wanted someone who would just go by the book that the, at least institutionally, they felt if we're leaving it up to our decisions and we lose because we made the right decision, we can live with that. We can't live with someone making the wrong decision, not based on the best information we have. I don't know if you disagree with that, but I, that was at least what, why it struck me. Because realistically, there's no reason Joe Girardi shouldn't still be the manager of the Yankees. He's one of the better managers of baseball. He knows what he's doing. I, I think you, they messed up by letting go of him. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know a single Yankee fan that hated Joe Girardi. He represented pretty much New York, you know, that type of attitude, um, you know, that type of charisma. And that you hit it right on the head. The reason why he was like, oh, was the game of baseball was changed and we're moving into a new age where, you know, these the, the analytical departments, these computers are now telling us when to take a pitcher out, you know, who should be in the lineup each and every day. Um, and, you know, Aaron Boone, he's never managed before. He's just looking for a job. Um, and he's going to say yes to everything. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, it's very unfortunate to, you know, Joe Girardi. And he's doing great things now with the Phillies. I hope he has a great season with them. But he had no reason to get fired. You know, I, I love Joe Girardi. I tune into Phillies games just to see how the, you know, the team's doing under his leadership. But, you know, it, it's very unfortunate how the game has turned and how, you know, great baseball minds are now getting kicked out of the game just because of, you know, the analytical departments are, you know, coming in. Yeah, it's, it's the real art is finding that middle ground where you end up like a team like the Dodgers, where I don't think Dave Roberts is particularly good at in-game management, but I think he's better than Aaron Boone. I mean, we saw the number of times over the years where he either left Kershaw in there one inning too many or took him out one batter too soon. A lot of this stuff is instincts. There is no right answer. That's why, that's why they play the game. No matter how much, how confident you are in your spreadsheet, no matter how confident you are in your rationale, they have to go out and make a play. And that's a bigger part of the conversation where you have expectations for a team, but when it comes down to it, you get to the playoffs. What you did over the course of a 162-game season doesn't really matter in a seven-game span. Anyone can get hot for a week and a half. I mean – we saw Daniel Murphy turn into Ted Williams for a week and a half five years ago. It, it happened. Baseball is weird like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a perfect example of this is just Blake Snell last year yeah. at the World Series pitching for the Rays. You know, that guy was throwing an absolute gem, and uh, Kevin Cash decides to take him out. Like, what are you doing, man? It's the World Series on the line. You have your ace pitcher. He says he's good. There was nothing wrong with him the entire game, honestly. He was throwing a gem. And, you know, that game ultimately cost him the World Series. The, yeah. I believe the Rays won the game prior. They had the momentum on the side. Um, if they would have won that game, they would have been either, I believe, tied or at least one game back. Um, in that game, they, they blew it. And it just shows that, you know, I understand the need for analytics in the game of baseball. Um, and it's great that we have it, but, you know, it's an instant game, you know, you have to go with your gut and not everything goes down to the people that are upstairs that, you know, probably have never played the game of baseball ever in their life. They just know numbers. Um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, like you said, the Dodgers um, with Roberts, they do use a lot of analytics. Roberts isn't the greatest coach ever, but he's a type of guy understands the game of baseball but he also um you know puts the analytics to to his advantage 
So the last question I'm going to ask you is, predict the Yankees' final 162-game season record. I think the last I saw when I looked on FanDuel was 97.5 or 96.5. I think that was what it was a week and a half ago when I looked. Would, I would say that. Over, under, 96.5 wins. I'm going to go with under. Um, okay. I believe the last time I checked was actually, I want to say 95.5, actually. Um, okay. But I'm going to go with under. The reason why I'm going to go with under is basically the starting pitching. There's so many unknowns. Uh, you don't know what you they get from every starting pitcher. Uh, you know, Garrett Cole's going to throw a gem in probably, uh, you could say, 70% of his games are going to be wins minimum. Um, but everyone else are unknowns and pretty much flyers. Um, and, and also just the injury bug, you know, we know yeah. when they get injuries, that's going to be a part of our 162 game season. Um, and again, you, you kind of just have to pray that they don't happen a lot once and they kind of get spread out throughout the year, unfortunately. Um, for my prediction, I have them going 92 and 70. Um, I think that would definitely allow them to win the AL East by a few games um, and put them in the spot for getting a, a first round by uh, hopefully in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I, like I said last week on the MLB prediction show I did with Chris, I expect the Yankees to win the AL East. I expect them to win the American league. I would be pretty surprised. Like I, we said in the opening segment, the White Sox are a young team. They haven't been there before. I really doubt an unproven White Sox team get past the Yankees. The Astros probably aren't going to have Verlander by the time the playoffs would come around and a rotation with pretty much just Grinky. I, I would like to see a Yankees Astro American League Championship Series. That'd be very fun. That would make for a very entertaining postseason series. I think by the fall, we'll be close to full capacity at live events and the Astros can kind of, they can get their lashing at Yankee Stadium that they probably yeah. deserve. I, I think there are a lot of Yankee fans who would like to see uh, the Astros at some point in the playoffs to get a little bit of blood, kind of drag their body up and down the field, embarrass them a little bit for what they did. Thank you for coming on, Darren. This was fun. Of course, man. I love, love talking baseball with you. Uh, you know, Yankees, Mets, anything, you know, and that's another thing. I'm excited to see what the Mets do, you know. It's it's not fun just being the best team in town. It's good to, you know, share the back pages as you know. That's that's what makes that's what makes New York a baseball town, honestly. You know, it's it's the rivalry. You know, it's not just the Red Sox rivalry, the Mets Yankees rivalry is great too. It's very fun because it really only is a creation of the New York media. Like Yankee fans, I know, don't really care about Mets fans and vice versa. We're more worried about our own divisions. But you know, there's always the well, the Yankees were going to trade for Jay Bruce, and then Fred Wilpon said, no, we can't trade with the Yankees story that happened four straight <laughs> years at the trade deadline, just for whatever reason, because that's the way the baseball media operates, and it's why New York is still a baseball town, is the print media here needs baseball, otherwise they don't have anything. The Post, the Daily News, Newsday, they need baseball, or they'd be completely screwed. That's the only sport they still cover well, because they have two or three guys covering each team. It's one of those important things where the healthier the news organizations are that are covering the sport, the better the sport does because there's just better content and it's easier to consume. I will be back tomorrow. We're going to be talking NFL draft. My friend PJ Clark of Boomer Bust, the draft show will be back. There's a lot to unpack. We're going to talk about the 49ers. We're going to talk Mac Jones's pro day, Justin Fields' pro day, Mika Parsons. We're going to catch you up on everything you need to know about the draft. We're going to 
try and help you make informed decisions based on what's getting leaked. That I think is going to be the most important thing to take away from tomorrow's show. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show with Darren. I will see you guys tomorrow.